With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, the reigning, defending, 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 undisputed universal heavyweight champion, Wildcat Radio 2.0, bear down. You beautiful people. What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Barry. And I feel like, Brett, last week when we left things off, we're like, okay, there's some things that could be happening for Arizona basketball. There was a four-star forward, Arthur Kaluma, who they were in on, who was supposed to be maybe committing, and Arizona was one of the favorites. And I think we even talked about football, the linebackers. You know, they had Treshawn Hayward coming in to be part of this group because they got the linebacker uh, from Vanderbilt. Well, since then, Brett and everyone who's listening, uh, Kaluma committed to Creighton, so that was no fun. And Treshawn Howard, or Hayward is not going to be part of the Arizona football program. So a lot of bad news to start. Let's start with basketball, Brett. What do you say? Yeah, that's, let's, uh, let's, get, let's get that out of the way. <laughs> Um, you know, just the hits keep on coming with uh, Kaluma going to Creighton, you know, fresh off the heels of kind of not, you know, not necessarily super disappointing or unsurprising, but, you know, not great to lose Ty Ty Washington, Kentucky. So if you looked at those holes in the roster at the point guard spot, if you look in the front court depth, those were the two guys that I think were at the top of everyone's list. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now neither of them will be coming. Right. So. You know, you look at that and say, okay, that's a little bit disappointing. Um, the message boards are going to be the message boards, and people on Twitter are going to freak out and uh, read way too much into it uh, and read way too much into uh, Tommy Lloyd's ability as a recruiter based on those two guys when he's been the coach for a month. Um, but I think it's a fair concern to be raised now of, okay, you know, we talked about it last week. Like, what does this roster for the basketball team look like next year you know i think we talked about last week we're confident we'll be able to fill it out you're probably not going to get a kaluma or a tai tai washington you'll probably get something there but like what does this roster look like now and how does it how does it need to be optimized right yeah i think it's more even though because there's still so many there's so many months before the game start and there's gonna be more players out there and of course arizona's gonna fill out the roster and there'll probably be some surprises like we don't necessarily know who it's going to be because we just looked at these uh commits these recruits like oh maybe them because they were freshmen or gonna be freshmen and we don't know who's gonna be in the transfer portal but to me when i look at this i say the roster is still pretty good (laughs) you know like yeah I mean, unless you were looking at this and saying this needs to be a Final Four team this upcoming season, which, I mean, maybe if everybody had stayed together or Sean Miller had stuck around, people would have had that perspective. But with Tommy Lake coming in, there was going to be some change. And for a first-year coach taking over a program like this, he doesn't have – it's not a dearth of talent. There's some good players on this team. And Ty Ty Washington would have made them better. Arthur Kaluma would have, in theory, made them better. You know, like they could afford to be a better team, but it's not like the cupboard's bare. It's not an empty – roster in terms of they have no talent at all so it's hard for me to get that upset because yeah 
I don't. You always want as good players as you can get, and they have roster spots to fill. Fill them with the best players you can. But these losses, to me, it's just more the perception and more the momentum of a program. They're like, wow, if they could, Tommy Lloyd could get these types of commits with a month on the job. What is he going to be able to do with full recruiting cycles? Like that would have been nice, sure. But not getting these guys to me doesn't necessarily mean the team's not going to be very good or that Tommy Lloyd can't recruit. Yeah, and I think. You know, to some extent, the fact that Tommy Lloyd got most of this fairly talented roster to return, you know, in and of itself is a, is a kind of recruiting in, in as a new coaching hire, right? Mm-hmm. Um, getting Kirk, you know, how important is it to have gotten Kirk Carissa to, to stay at this point or Ben Matherin, right? Or uh, Azulis Tabellis or Christian Coloco? Um, you know, I think the thing that this tells me, like, Columa is probably not starting over Tabellis. Uh, and you're probably not moving to Bellis to the five in the starting lineup, at least in my initial thoughts. Um, you know, Ty Ty Washington might have been he's he would have been starting at the point guard spot. So the the thing that this tells me right now is there's a couple of players that Arizona needs to count on developing to reach their pinnacle next year uh, their or their potential. And that's, you know, Kirk Carissa's development becomes paramount, uh, especially if you don't to, add another point guard. Yeah. Or I mean, like they'll, a they'll flight, add a starting caliber point guard, maybe. Yeah, I, I'm skeptical that they'll add a starting caliber point guard. I think they will have, you know, some level of talent there that will be competent. Maybe, you know, maybe a pair of point guard, maybe more of a combo guard. Um, but boy, you need him to take a take a leap developmentally, right? Um, and mm-hmm. I think we saw flashes of that. And then similarly, you got to have, you know, I think we know who Tubelis is and can be, but. Boy, you need Christian Coloco, or uh, um, I'm blanking on the the transfer from the from Gonzaga's name. At, it's it's Ballo. Me at the moment. Yeah, yeah, Ballo. Ballo. You know, one of those guys needs to make a leap in their development too, because they're both still a little bit raw, right? And Azulis Tabellis, uh, you know, if he gets in foul trouble or rolls an ankle right now, those guys are playing a lot of minutes, and your Andor you're going real small. Um, and you, it, I, I get concerned about. A scoring threat if Tabellus isn't on the in the in the front court if Tabellus isn't on the court um, and I get concerned about point guard play if like similarly what if Kirk Carissa twists an ankle or gets in foul trouble right or isn't um, isn't that good <laughs> you know <laughs> I mean yeah. that, you're you're right to be concerned maybe though you you brought up that point where it's like in trying to recruit some of these high high level prospects you know high level uh, recruits that they had out there Ty Ty Washington Kaluma whoever else is out there if you look at Arizona's roster just for what they were able to keep. There's not a lot of open spots in terms of like there's a starting role for you, you know you're gonna walk right in and start like Ty Ty Washington would have had that sure, but he was also good enough to go to Kentucky, so you can't fault him for that. But if Kaluma looked at the roster and said, well, there's no starting spot for me there at the three because you have Ben Matherin, or at the four because you have Tubelis, maybe that's why he chooses Creighton, and that might be part of the Tommy Lloyd recruiting pitch too right now. His approach with this staff and what they're trying to do to fill out the roster is they're not necessarily looking for starters. Like obviously you need to have eight guys, nine guys you could count on who, like, could be starters in a pinch. Or if someone rolls an ankle, you want to be able to count on the guy to replace them. If someone's in foul trouble, obviously you want to be able to go to your bench and find talented players to put in the game. But I imagine as good a situation as this for Arizona, they kept so many guys, that kind of works against them in some of these recruiting battles, I would think. You know, like, Ty Ty Washington, point guard's the only spot you could say there's a hole there. That's it. Yeah, I think I think that that's right. And the the, the challenge is, I think, if you're Tommy Lloyd, and you're going to go, you know, hit up the transfer portal that is loaded up with, God knows how many people. Um, most of those guys are probably chasing a, char- a a starting spot, and you know, there's not really, 
it's a, it's a hard thing because we Arizona needs some guys that'll play some significant minute significant minutes at the point guard spot and the end in the front court. But at this point, I don't think anybody that's in the transfer portal is beating out what we have as starters, right? So, uh, and if they're transferring, they're probably not starters at their current program. So you're gonna you're you're kind of gonna get what you're gonna get at this point. Um, and to me, it's gonna this the conversation is gonna shift to filling out the right pieces that complement each other if they're not you know necessarily starters. And then how much can Tommy Lloyd get out of the, the current roster? And that's going to tell us how good Arizona is going to be next year. Yeah, exactly. And that's where, too, when we say, is there anyone out there who's going to beat out these guys for a starting spot? That's kind of assuming that Kirk Carissa will take that leap, that Ben Matherin, that Tubas. Like, Arizona is set to rely on a lot of guys who they showed a lot of promise last season as freshmen. But how can they be the guys on really good teams? So maybe if you're a veteran player, you have a couple of years left to play, whatever it is, you transfer to Arizona saying you're going to get minutes no matter what, whether you're starting or not. And if you're good enough, maybe you can beat up a beat out of Ben Matherin or a Dalen Terry or a Kirk Carissa for a starting spot or at least for 25 minutes a game. You know, so I don't think I don't think it's a bad situation to be. And obviously it could have been better for Arizona if you get those commits. There's a reason why Arizona went after them. You know, you don't want to sugarcoat and say, well, they didn't really need Ty Ty Washington. They didn't need Arthur Kaluma. Like, there's a reason they went after them. They wanted right. those guys for, you know, to make the team better. How much better? In Ty Ty Washington's case, it seemed like significantly better. Kaluma's case, probably still, you know, a good amount better, especially after you lost Jordan Brown to the transfer portal. But just, it's easy to be down because you want good news. You know, you want them to win recruiting battles. We got used to Sean Miller winning recruiting battles. It kind of stopped over the last couple of seasons. But when Arizona's in on a recruit and Arizona wants this guy, you want to see Arizona get them. And hopefully that will be a thing that happens down the road with Tommy Lloyd when he has full recruiting cycles. But to give him the benefit of the doubt, he's been on the job for a month. You know, <laughs> like he's an unproven coach. He's never coached a game as the head coach. You know, so no one like you can have an idea of what his system is, but he hasn't shown anything. Even like when Sean Miller was hired, he was at least the head coach at Xavier. You know, he had a reputation, what he could do, and brought a team to the Elite Eight. So he had that going for him. Tommy Lloyd doesn't have that. And that's the risk you run when you hire a career assistant. But give him a season. If Arizona goes out this season, they piece it together. Guys like Matherin and Carissa and Dale and Terry and Tubelis put out really good sophomore seasons. Arizona wins 22, 23, 24 games. And they look like they're having a fun offense, a good time doing it. Then the recruits will start coming in. And if they don't, then you have a problem. Yeah, and I think... There's going to be something to be said for if we come to the end of next season and they're winning 23, 24 games and finding success with the roster they have. You know, I don't know if there's it maybe Ben Matherin, but maybe Tubelis, but there's not necessarily like that five star superstar guy. If they're able to, if if Tommy Lloyd's able to show that he can develop some of those guys on that roster, the Kirk Carices, the Christian Colocos, that's going to also alter things for his recruiting landscape mm -hmm. going forward. Um, and you know, it's, uh, one of those players that uh, I think he could really, I'm, I'm curious to see his ability to influence and how he gets used next year. That also, like, with both Kaluma and uh, Kirk Carissa, or um, Ty Ty Washington not coming to Arizona, I wonder how much, uh, you know, all, additional players coming notwithstanding, is a player like Dalen Terry, he could conceivably play one through four at this point. Uh, as somebody that can be a good facilitator, but also has the size to play power forward, at least, you know, in both, you probably don't want him playing one or four consistently, but he can fill in spot minutes there. And that could be an interesting thing to keep an eye on as, as uh, Tommy Lloyd figures out how to insert him into the lineup and what he can get out of him as a developmental player. 
Yeah, and also just the idea of what a Tommy Lloyd offense would look like. Dale and Terry seems like a perfect fit. <laughs> he, he has room to improve. He needs to get, be more consistent with his shot, could get stronger. Like He can do a little bit of everything, but he needs to get better at everything. But if he can take another step, too, he's kind of forgotten by a lot of people because he wasn't starting really by the end of the season because Ben Matherin was just that much better as a freshman. And Tubelis was that much better as a freshman. And Kirk Reese is almost like a folk hero at this point. But like, Dalen Terry is a skilled player and a player with his with his size, with his athleticism, with his... I guess his work ethic, he's supposed to be a really hard worker. In this offense, it's more of a free-flowing type of thing. His passing ability should be really helpful. So that's what it comes down to for Tommy. Like, obviously, you want to see him win some recruiting battles, and they will. Like, he will. He and the staff will land players. They're going to fill out the roster, maybe with guys we've heard of, maybe with guys we haven't. We don't know what it's going to look like. But let's just say they were to fill out the roster. They get Shane Noel. He decides to stick it out with Arizona, right? So they get the one commitment there or the one recruit there pulled over from the Sean Miller coaching staff. And then they get a few, I don't know, I don't want to like name players, but like replacement level type players, you know, not stars, guys who they have some experience. They're not great. You don't want them starting, but for 10 minutes a game, you, like Ira Lee level type players. How about, I don't want to say this to dog Ira Lee, but someone who's not, not your go-to guy, right? But someone who you're like, okay, if he's in the lineup, there's, there's some value there. What do you think of the roster then? You know, like if they have that veteran point guard, if they have another big who's like that level, what do you think of the roster overall? Oh, man, it's an interesting question because I'm not sure if it's better or worse on balance uh, than last season. Yeah, but it's for different reasons, because I think James Akinjo flourished under Sean Miller and was asked to do things that were great, that things that James Akinjo could do. But there's a reason he's not going to be in Tommy Lloyd's system. Um, and some of the players that are going to get more minutes, some you know, development of Kirk Carissa, another year of experience for Tubelis, Matherin, Dalen Terry, et cetera. Um, Pell Larson coming in. You know, I, I don't know if any individual player is as good as James Akinjo was in Sean Miller's system. But the sum of the parts of the current roster in Tommy Lloyd's system I think makes it at least equal, but it's hard to know if it'll be better, if that makes sense. Yeah, but that means that you still feel not too bad about it, right? I mean, last year's team, if the normal season and if they could have gone to a tournament, they're probably winning 20 games. You know, not great, but who knows if they hadn't given themselves the ban, if the team would have won a couple more that they ended up losing some of the closer ones. But that's not a bad team. And it's one that is kind of close to maybe being quite good if Tubelis and Matherin and the, some of these guys take that next step as sophomores or Coloco as a junior takes another step forward, right? So, you know, we, we're all going to sit here and say we want this team to be that much better. And, of course, uh, not trying to excuse or say hey, it's fine they didn't get these recruits they want, these guys that would have been, you know, quality additions, made the team better. Like, no, of course you want to get them. But not getting these guys, not adding – five-star talents or some of these high-flying freshmen doesn't necessarily mean the season's going to be a loss. Doesn't necessarily mean that Arizona's no. not going to be that good next year. And I think that's what we need to remember and what people need to keep in mind. When they were going on that run of, you know, getting Dylan Anderson when he's 2022, but keeping Carissa, keeping Matherin, keeping Terry, Tubelis and all that, there were a lot of good feels like, wow, they're going to keep this, they're keeping this team together. This is great, you know, because that's the team they needed. Like last season, before Sarnor got fired, Everyone looked at the roster and said, and Grant, that was with a Kinjo, right? So I'll grant that. But it was like, oh, if this team comes back, they're going to be really good next season. Well, other than a Kinjo, really, the team's coming back. 
And that and that idea that they'd be really good had nothing to do with a Ty Ty Washington and Arthur Kaluma, right? <laughs> like they weren't even a factor. They weren't a thought on anyone's mind. And the thought was they'd still be a very good basketball team. So yes, the Akinjo loss hurts because he was their best player last season in a Sean Miller offense. And I agree with you, Brett. I don't think Akinjo f- works that well in what we think the Tommy Lloyd offense will be. But otherwise, the bulk of the roster that everyone thought was going to be good next season is going to be there next season. So all of a sudden, now because they didn't get Ty Ty or Kaluma, they're not going to be that good? Like, I don't buy that. Yeah, I mean, there's one person that you're forgetting and, and we haven't mentioned, though, that I think <laughs> I think the fans in general underappreciate the loss, uh, especially without getting Kaluma, is Jordan Brown not coming back. You know, If he was coming back, I'd feel better about the, the sure. front court, right? That, was, that um, was a surprise, too, when he decided to go to the transfer portal. You know, if he was back, I'd then I'd say my only real concern is depth at the point guard position. Right. Um, and you know, maybe there is some type of transfer that we fill that role. Hopefully it's somebody that can be an offensive threat and competent defensively. I know Arizona fans are sometimes, shall we say lukewarm when it came to Jordan Brown. <laughs> um, but there's a reason the guy won six man of the year in the PAC 12. When he went to the bench, he responded really well to that. And he was a, a fairly effective offensive player when he was aggressive. Um, sure, inconsistent as hell, but you know you don't just make up for a guy that was getting double doubles somewhat on the regular, even off the bench, right? But is he the so, difference between Arizona being a good team and being just an average team? Do you think? I think a strong post player like that that can score in, is a is off the bench is a hole in the current roster, and so I think it's the it depends on what they fill that spot with. As is, I'm a little bit concerned. Um, I think, I think he can be the difference between, you know, maybe 22 wins and 24 wins, but so could a player in the transfer portal, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense to me. And that, that's where I go to, like, obviously <laughs> you're right. When I'm saying who they brought back, they didn't bring back everyone. They were never going to bring back everyone, but the key guys that people, when people were thinking, okay, how is this team going to be good? It's going to be Mathurin. It's going to be two belts. It's going to be Carissa. It's going to be Dale and Terry. It's going to be Coloco. You know, they got those guys back. So Right now, as the roster stands, like Carissa is the most important guy, I think, because he needs to be a decent point guard. <laughs> like They don't have another true point guard on the roster. I know that's going to get fixed, but where it stands right now, he needs to take a huge – because he's of all the guys people are counting on, he showed the least, in part because he played the least. He wasn't eligible, yeah. but he hasn't shown much of anything that would say he could be a starting point guard on a good team. You know, We all think he can be because he was highly acclaimed. You see the highlights – you know, before he got to Arizona, the guy can play. He plays hard. He can shoot. He can run an offense. Like, you think he can do it, but he hasn't done it yet. Matherin, we saw, be a go-to scorer at times. You know, the three-point shot was way better than anticipated. Tubelis was the guy for them. And even Dale and Terry had his role that he excelled in. Kirkrius is the only one who has to take not just – like, he has to take a first step, not like that – like, everyone else has to take a big step forward or like that step to the next level. Kirkrius is still to show he can do the first step. And – until he does, that's going to be a really big question mark because obviously we know college basketball point guard is huge. <laughs> like it's helpful to have a good one. And right now we're not sure Arizona does, but that's where I go back to just the transfer portal and whatever else is out there. There's still what five months between now and when the season's going to start, you know, <laughs> like there's time to fill out this roster and there's going to be somebody out there who, when all the dust settles says, Oh, you mean there's a possible starting point guard spot at Arizona with this offense, with the talent around me where I could, just dish the ball to a Matherin, to a Terry, to Tabellis, you know, to this group of players and look, you know, just look great on the floor. Okay, I'm interested. I'm going to transfer. Like, that's going to happen. 
You would think. I mean, the funny thing with Kirk Carissa is I don't even know if we know if his best position is point guard or really a small, like, shooting guard. Also true. <laughs> right? Um, I think he has the skill sets to do either. Um, you know, I think the hope was Ty Ty Washington could be more ball focused and Kirk Carissa can kind of be a glue guy, you know, shooter um, and and fill in as like a combo guard. But there's there's no real option right now. It's it's Kirk Carissa and then, you know, guys like Jamal Baker and Terrell Brown that could fill in spot minutes at the point, if not great in their natural position, those guys are also gone, right? And that's how um, it was the last season, too. Like everybody's talking about we, Arizona needs multiple point guards. They had, like, one last season. <laughs> and then they had the combo guards be the backups for five to ten minutes a game. So that to, does make you be, susceptible to foul trouble and injury, yes. But they had a point guard on their roster. It was James Akinjo. And to, to be fair, that point guard on the roster was clearly our best, most consistent player for the year and is now the starting point guard for the defending national champions. <laughs> Which, in theory, if you would have said Arizona's best player is now the you know point guard for the defending national champions, you'd be like, all right, that's great news. But no, it didn't work out that way. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, it's, I think to, to put a bow on the basketball roster, it's, it's still incomplete. Um, I think... You know, we can be optimistic that there will be useful players that fill it out, but it's going to be more finding the pieces that fit than the guys that are going to move, that are going to fundamentally move the needle, right? And it's yeah. going to really come down to the guys that are on the roster now, developing and getting the most out of them. How will they fit in Tommy Lloyd's offense? And I think if you look at some of those guys, specifically Dale and Terry, Kirk Carissa, um, and Azulis Tabellas, those guys. Pr- it's hard to think of guys that fit better in the, the Tommy Lloyd, like make the quick, easy decision and get, you'll get good shots in that way. The right? Same goes like for Larson coming over a three point shooter who can play a little point, can handle the ball. But yeah, it seems like a perfect fit. A lot of these guys do. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's, it's what happens, uh, you know, part of it's going to be how they execute and part of it's going to be what happens if somebody kind of gets them bogged down in a half court offense that I get a little bit concerned. Um, because I'm just not convinced. At a half-court offense, you tend to have to pound the ball uh, into the post at some point, or at least have the threat of that, and I'm not sure you can rely on Christian Coloco or Balo to be in the post, and Tubelis isn't really... He's more of a face-up power forward than a post-up power forward, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be a very uh, traditional Euro-style offense. I know they, that uh, Tommy Lloyd likes to be like, I'm not just about the European guys and way of playing, <laughs> but... The roster's kind of built that way. <laughs> and it wasn't even built by him that way. That's the funny thing. It was right. mostly built by the by the previous coaching staff. And that is almost like, I'm sure they didn't hire Tommy Lloyd because that's the roster they had. Like, that would be silly, you know. But in terms of a transition year with this roster, it almost feels like they couldn't have found a, a better coach to work with what they have. So does that mean it's going to work out? We'll see. <laughs> but you're right. There's a lot. There's there's still some guys out there to get, and it's gonna be really interesting to see who they do pick up to fill those spots because they could use another four, they could use another guy who can handle the ball, you know, whether it's a point guard or a combo guard. And I think for a lot of people's sake, they want to see Tommy Lloyd have success recruiting American players, just because obviously they they're gonna have to re- recruit some high quality American players. It's that's just the way the roster is gonna work out. You can't totally rely on the European rosters, you know, the European game. But certainly when there's really good players there, like they've found, go get them. So it's just, yeah. it's, it's different. It's a different time for Arizona basketball fans to watch a coaching staff, a new coaching staff, try to land recruits. And again, he's been on the job for a little more than a month. So yeah. 
if you're trying to jump off the ledge because Tommy Lloyd can't recruit, I'd, I'd give it some time. Like, it's possible he can't. <laughs> it's possible he can't get the job done at Arizona, but we don't know that right now. Yeah, and to be honest, Adam, there's always going to be some guy complaining and yelling about a good old-fashioned uh, domestic and not just all imports for <laughs> basketball, of course. For, for basketball, <laughs> of course. Well, let's let's take a break. When we come back, mentioned it at the top of the show, Arizona football lost, well, or I guess, I don't know if they lost or they parted ways or a linebacker they're supposed to be adding this season is not coming to Tucson, and we'll talk about it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We're back, and <laughs> this is what we get for thinking Arizona football can have nice things, right, Brett? <laughs> we joked about how they went from having no linebackers seemingly last season to having almost too many linebackers this season. And this was after uh, they picked up Kenny, I'm calling him A-Bear, from Vanderbilt, which was like, okay, that's interesting. And then we find out, well, Trey Sean Hayward is not coming to Arizona. The graduate transfer from Western Michigan who was – one of the more exciting pieces, one of the more exciting additions to the roster. Not going to be a part of it. Um, according to Michael Love, I know Jason Shear had it first, and Michael Love just said, like, same thing. They said, like, it's the school who decided not to have Hayward. I, I don't think we'll ever find out exactly what happened there, but it's a bummer. Yeah, it's... You know, it's it's hard not to read uh, into uh, Leb's reporting that it's it was like kind of team initiated, right? Yeah. Um, oh yeah, I mean, you can have an idea like something happened, but yeah, and it's 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 disappointing for sure, especially when like you know talk about your plug and play guy at a position of need. Um, you know, I don't I don't think it necessarily fundamentally shifts the outlook for the defense next year, but it just makes it, uh, it's kind of analogous to the basketball discussion we were just having, right? Like some of those guys that were maybe not going to be counted on to, to play 65% of the snaps at the middle linebacker spot, you know, maybe now need to somebody like a, a DJ morning or some of the, the freshmen that are coming in that, you know, are relatively well regarded. Um, I'm thinking, um, uh, Mojo Weirts, I think out of mm-hmm. Illinois, I think it was out of Illinois, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, some some of these guys that even like the young guys that maybe they were going to redshirt in a typical world or hey bear or some of the or Malik Reed. Now you got to imagine he's for sure coming in and getting a lot of snaps, uh, mm-hmm. you know, right out of the gate. But, you know, it's kind of it. The nice thing is when you have linebackers plural, you can have something of a next man up uh, approach, <laughs> at least that is until you don't have a next man up, which we've experienced that as Arizona Wildcats fans in the past. Um also, even somebody like DJ Fryer out of Washington, you know, I'm not sure if it's he's destined to be in, on the inside and exactly what Howard would have been doing, but there's going to be more talent there than there has been in the past. Now it's a question of who's going to earn the snaps, as opposed to Howard was going to take the majority of the snaps at that position, basically, if he was healthy, right? Yeah, it, it seemed that way, and I think I, you, I think you've got it right there. Like in past seasons, losing a player like this, like a projected starter, even you'd be like, oh no. Like, there's not much depth there, and somehow, and granted, it's not proven death, largely, 
You know, we know Anthony Pandy. We know what he can do. Um, Jerry Roberts, he has some experience, so you have an idea of what he can do. Malik Reed hasn't done it. He was just he was at Wisconsin for a reason, so you're trusting that he's a pretty talented player. And same thing with Mourning and some of these guys coming in. But certainly when you lose a guy like a Hayward who was supposed to start for you, like that, that hurts because it does bump someone else and move someone else up the depth chart. And, you know, he was one of the better players, a defensive player of the year in the Mid-American Conference in 2019. Hayward was good. (laughs) We kind of wonder what would have happened last season, right, if uh, Tony Fields and Colin Schooler hadn't transferred. How different is Arizona's defense by having two solid linebackers there? It would have bumped everyone else down, which would have been fine. Their depth would have looked better. They're in better shape now to absorb this loss, and obviously if it was their decision, then they whatever it is, whatever he did, they feel like either there's no way they could bring him in or they can afford to part with him based on what he did and what they have on the roster. Either way, like you're, not, you're probably not better without having him on the team, but to your point, you're probably right. At least it's hard to say but until we see the games. You know, We see what guys do on the field. They seem to have enough talent, enough depth at the linebacker position to withstand this loss, which is not something we could have said in years past. So that's a credit to the coaching staff, too, and what they did. You know, some of these commitments were the prior coaching. So I think Mojo Weirts was a previous coaching staff commitment, you know, but the, what they did in the transfer portal to get guys who maybe they're not as plug-and-play, but they have enough talent where you think, okay, they can be part of a linebacker rotation that's not going to be too bad. Yeah, and, and the thing with Howard is he was going to be a, a one-year a one and done type of player, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Malik Reed, it's got a number of years of eligibility left. I think Hey Bear, uh, I think he's a senior, right? Um, yeah. But I think Jerry Roberts has a lot of uh, a lot of um, eligibility remaining. You know, it's not the it's not the fatal blow to the defense that it might have been at the position uh, a year or two ago, or oh, I don't know, losing uh, Colin Schooler and Tony Fields, uh, and then and then having only true freshmen behind them. Mm-hmm. Such as last year, um, but it just it just adds a little a little bit more uh, a little bit more question marks. It's a little bit of a testing of the depth, um, but hopefully that depth can be made up for with some of the freshmen that are going to come in the fall that weren't there in the spring. Um, but you know that well, it remains to be seen, and I think we'll see. We'll have a better sense come fall. You know, we have a decent sense I think after the spring as much as you can take away from spring football. Um, but this roster is going to be fundamentally different in the fall when all the other uh, newcomers are coming and get on the field and you start to really see how people are shaking out. And if there's guys that were looking decent in the spring and then are suddenly down on the depth chart, that can be an early indicator that like, okay, we have, maybe we were, maybe we have some more depth than we thought. Right. Yeah. And won't be able to see that until they get back on the field, but okay. They've built this roster. They know what they needed and they've had a lot of linebackers to that. They've had a lot of linebackers, just that simple. So there's more depth than there has been, which is uh, not a bad way to go about it, identifying the holes. And it does explain going and getting a bear, right? (laughs) There's some questions like, wait, they have a lot of linebackers. Well, there you go. So it's, I think, evidence of a coaching staff that knows what it's doing. You know, they have a plan in place. They know where their holes are, and they're doing the best they can to plug them. And, of course, I think until, until Jordan McLeod steps on campus and Arizona has a quarterback they can truly believe in. There's going to be huge question marks, but the defense itself looks better than it has in a while. And with the coaching stuff they have on that side of the ball, this feels like something they can handle. Yeah. Did you just insinuate that Jordan McLeod is going to be the starting quarterback, Adam? I just said until he comes to campus (laughs) and you get a quarterback who you can count on, whether it's him or Gunnar Cruz, like you don't know who the starting quarterback is right now. 
Yeah. No, nobody, nobody does. <laughs> and, and there's not one. There's no one that you can 100% count on. You know, even last season going, you think Grant Cannell could be the guy. He should be the guy. Four-star recruit, played well as a freshman. You know, he's the dude. They don't have that this season. You know, not yet. Yeah, and I, th- I think I'm on record as saying that if Arizona disappoints this year, it's going to start and probably end with the quarterback spot and then maybe the O-line. But the defense I have mild concerns over. But, you know, I think I trust I trust the coaching staff. I trust the players that they're bringing in to at least be a significant improvement from years past. Yeah, and speaking of that coaching staff, fun little thing here, CBS Sports. Brad, I don't know if you saw they came out with our rankings of their head coaches throughout college football. And they're doing kind of like the back of the st- rankings first. They're going like back forward. And Jed Fish comes in at a healthy number 64. So he is not in a play-in game. He admits the tournament outright. Now, is that is that out of uh, just Power 5 and Group of 5 programs? or <laughs> Well, you got to be like that. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, and I think that that is just purely because they do, you know it's like the team that re- is replacing its starting quarterback starting you know top receiver and half of its production you just don't know what they are like Jed Fish is an unknown quantity as a head coach by definition he's never done it before right yeah so you know hopefully a year from now he's going to have shot up the rankings as Arizona at least wins four games and therefore gets you and me a case of beer from friend of the show Ronnie Stoffel um, <laughs> but you know <laughs> It's this this article also reeks of off season filler for content. <laughs> well, yeah, like that's necessary. But like we would, for content, we would never do such a thing on our podcast, Adam. We would never, never stretch content out. Never. But for context, and you, how can you rank Jed Fish any higher than that? You know, he hasn't done it. But for context, are the same rankings. Well, 2018, Kevin Sumlin was ranked a lot higher than he probably should have been. You know where he was ranked? 36th 36th Ah. so you know this was of course after he got fired from Texas A&M after going seven and five but I I think the point is these rankings don't necessarily mean anything like Kevin Sumlin was ranked pretty high I was like yeah all right Kevin Sumlin and that was a disaster if you want the same year Herm Edwards was 64th so there you go there's something to, to say Herm Edwards his first year was ranked 64th too not that Herm is a great coach or anything but it's worked out pretty well for him at ASU, so maybe the same will happen with Jed Fish at Arizona. I guess we'll see. <laughs> a lot of we'll see this show, but that's what happens in you know May when teams aren't playing. But, Brett, we'll take a break. When we come back, there are a few teams that are still playing, and they're making some headlines. Welcome back to Wildcat Radio 2.0. we got one more segment here, and let's start with softball. Brett, Arizona's had kind of an uneven season. You know, they, they got off to a really good start and had their struggles. Of course, they are the number 11th seed now in the Women's College World Series. Uh, they begin the road to the Women's College World Series. Not a bad seeding for where they were, but also the Pac-12 did not get a lot of respect. And Mike Candre, a legendary coach of the Arizona softball team, had a lot to say about that. Thinks the Pac-12 network doesn't help them and just thinks that Arizona, part of the Pac-12, like the Pac-12 as a whole, just did not get any respect in the seating committee. Yeah, I, um, I, it, it was the coldest hot take of uh, the Pac-12 network. Uh, doesn't do anything good for anybody in the Pac-12. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're all we're all with you on that one, Mike. Um, 
and the, the 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 silly thing is, it seems like, it, and it, it wasn't just Mike Andre. I think some other coaches uh, in the Pac-12 are having very similar complaints uh, mm-hmm. about exposure and the Pac-12 network as it relates to the the women's softball seating. UCLA's um, coach did, yeah, because the SEC had six of the top nine seeds. Yeah, I didn't. You know, it's it's. Starting to feel like the ESPN did the seating for this, not uh, <laughs> not the Pac-12 or the or the NCAA. Um, but you know, it it is what it is at this point, and you know, I think the the, the biggest challenge is that you're just not going to have as as desirable a path as you would have had. But I think Arizona's uh, the Lady Cats have enough talent to be able to kind of overcome all of that, uh, as well as honestly, a bunch of the Pac-12 schools have that have, have that potential. Um, you know, it's at this point, it's going to be, all right, you got to execute. I think in their, um, in their regional, they have what old miss, uh, who's an RPI of 27. They have Villanova as an RPI of 26, UMBC RPI of 51, you know, Arizona should, should be able to, you know, come out of that, Mm -hmm. that, that regional. Um, but you know, you, you never know, um, sports. Yeah. Um, to, to, to stick to the theme, we'll see. <laughs> um, the, good, the good news is, as we get into the postseason, uh, much of the world will finally actually get to see the Arizona women's softball team because it will not be on the Pac-12 network as they gradually move into, if you, as the deeper you go, and it goes on ESPN and national, real national television. <laughs> um, but I'm looking forward to seeing how they do, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. No, me too, because they are good enough to make a run. But wouldn't it be the first time? But they're not. They haven't been consistent this season. So that their tournament run will start Friday this weekend. Actually, uh, they're in Tucson at least. So that's nice. Um, similar on the diamond, the baseball team has had their. You know, they're doing okay. <laughs> I guess they head for the tournament themselves for the postseason. You know, it's kind of nice that they're going to get that opportunity because. They are probably going to be a tournament team last season had there been a tournament, and they're not the best team in college baseball or anything like that. But they are set to maybe be one of the hosts as well uh, for their postseason tournament, which, of course, now Arizona's increasing the capacity at these games. Uh, so that'll be nice. They would have a real home field advantage. But, you know, Arizona on the diamonds, the softball and the baseball diamonds, they're looking – each of them has a good chance. You know, they're not the favorites, but they are a team that I'm sure most teams in those tournaments do not want to play. And that's the nice thing. Yeah. Uh, the Arizona baseball team may not be the, you said maybe, maybe not the best team, but they're certainly one of the hottest teams uh, yeah. over the last couple of months. Um, and, you know, you, you mentioned the hosting and some home field advantage. The, the, the numbers this season bear that out. I'm pretty sure Arizona did not lose a home series all season, which I'm not sure has happened uh at least not any time in, in recent history. They finished 13 and two at high Corbett. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're, I'm looking at, it looks like their highest, their best home record in, in program history, or at least in modern program history. Um, and I think there's a lot to be said, just, you know, traditional home field advantage, but in, in college baseball, especially like at high Corbett field, that's an old, you know, spring training facility with deep, you know, deep power alleys in center field that, and you know the way outfield plays and how much uh, fair territory and foul territory there is, uh, those things can can be the difference between a win and a loss in a lot of games, right? Yeah, well, baseball uh, if, especially if you know your field, 
you know the angles, you know, <laughs> like it makes yeah. it, I don't necessarily think college baseball, like I don't know major league baseball, they'll sometimes they'll build rosters somewhat to the field, you know, like depending oh, yeah. on how the field plays, you go and add talent. I don't know if it's the same so much in college baseball, but certainly the familiarity with the angles with that ballpark would be nothing but helpful. Yeah. So, you know, in, in that sense, like getting to host is going to be, Fairly significant, I would think. Um, and they're not guaranteed to host, but they're on track to be one of the hosts, it looks like. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, once you can get past that, the, the hope is to to bust out the uh, Wildcats' own Omaha t-shirts from a few years back. That'd be fun. Yeah, I'd like um, to get another one. Yeah. The, the, you know, it's it's going to be – I think it's going to be a fun opportunity for Arizona fans to hopefully get a chance to see both the the softball team and baseball teams move through the move through the playoffs – uh, or the postseason, I guess I should say, um, and just watch Arizona baseball can hopefully continue to just mash. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that'll be fun. Another team we sh- their their season is over. We should give a shout out to the men's tennis team. Actually, they made it to the Sweet Sixteen, best season in program history. Which it's it's funny because Arizona we we say it every week. It seems like, but a lot of these teams, a lot of these programs are having some historic seasons. You know, like they they haven't necessarily won. Obviously, women's basketball fell a point short in the championship game, but the men's tennis team having a historic season for that program. Like, congratulations to that group, just because obviously it's it's Arizona, and anybody who wears the block A, you know, the red and blue, you want to see them succeed. And the Arizona men's tennis team, th- that was a hell of a run to make it as far as they did. Yeah, it's a it's a nice thing. Think back to about a year ago, um, for what sports were happening. Um, there wasn't a lot of positivity the last couple of years for Arizona sports, Adam. No. It's nice to have some positivity happening. Yeah, absolutely. So hopefully there's more positivity in the future <laughs> with the teams that are still playing and also when it comes to recruiting and everything else for the programs because we like good things. And even though it seems like Arizona doesn't get good things, I, maybe that's changing. Like It has to change, right? Please? Can it? Maybe? Just, just good things. Just just good things so hopefully those good things we'll talk about them next week but until then everyone again thanks for listening to wildcat radio 2.0 we really do appreciate it make sure you are finding us subscribing to us itunes spotify wherever you get your podcasts follow us on twitter at wildcat radio az for all sorts of content of course stay tuned to the wildcat radio network because the 12 pack radio and all those things are happening so there's gonna be plenty of content not just wildcat radio 2.0 but hopefully the good news will happen in the next week and we'll get to talk about it next week but until then Remember to bear down. Bear down.